Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast. This is Chad. I am joined once again this week by Dan and Adrian. Boy, do we have a treat for you this week. We have Kevin the Lion Lily. This guy, this conversation, so much here. We talk about what leadership means to Kevin, and I've never heard it described this way, and it was beautiful and awesome, how complacency kills us, how our beliefs create our results, and what indifference could do to our business or our leadership. I'm telling you, I, I so enjoyed this conversation. Kevin is a spiritual giant. Kevin is a physical trainer, but in doing that, he focuses on the person as a whole. I love his presence, his philosophies, and I can't wait for you to have a listen to this conversation. Let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast. My name is Chad. I'm here with Dan and Adrian again. Dan, how are you, man? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm great. Adrian, good to be with you, brother. Yeah, man. Excited for this conversation. Me too. Uh, I'm so excited. We also have Kevin Lilly on uh, in the conversation with us. And Kevin, I'm so excited to have you. I'm grateful that you took the time to be here with us. I don't love doing introductions because I think you could do it so much better than I could. We'd love to hear a piece of your story, a little bit about you, your family, your work, what you're about. Uh, first off, welcome. Thanks for coming. Hey, guys. Thanks for uh, having me. And uh... When Adrian asked me to do this, I was super fired up. And, you know, I think just having conversations with like-minded but different individuals can only further myself and further others. And I'm super pumped to be here, man. So thank you, guys. Yeah. Do you mind just taking a minute right at the top and just introducing yourselves to us? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. But I'm going to tell you the same thing I tell all of my students, which is if I go too far, pull me back, okay? Um. Born and raised Philadelphia, born, raised, educated, learned how to hustle in Philly um, in a suburb, lifelong athlete. My athletics allowed me to kind of uh, educate myself on a better level than uh, most of my peers. I grew up in a hardworking middle class background. Uh, both my family, both my parents worked for the water company. Uh, my dad still does. Mom retired last year. And... Uh, but my, as I mentioned, my athletic background allowed me to go to school with the rich kids and really go to an amazing high school, which opened my eyes to a different world. And, you know, that then turned into athletic college scholarships and graduated from college with a degree in finance and business management with a specialty in uh, international business. And, uh, you know, my heart was pulling me not to be in that at all although you know to me it was business was going to be the answer to how i didn't feel the pain that i felt as a child which was uh lack of finances and so but at the end of the day all i wanted to do was be in the gym by the time my college football career had ended i was playing football to be able to work out it wasn't working out in order to play football and so a uh, turning point was I put all my chips in the basket of working at General Electric because General Electric had kind of combined my passions of business uh, with the body as I was trying to get a position in uh, out in Milwaukee selling some of their cardiac equipment. And it didn't work out. It was a very uh, sought after position. And I just said, fuck it. Are we cursing? Is that cool? Go Sorry. Yeah, I, uh, we I all said, grew up in a locker room here. So cool. We're all from the locker room. So I said, fuck it and uh, graduated and threw all my things in a bag and went to Europe for the summer with a little bit of cash. I had hustled it throughout college. And in that bag was also some old personal training book that I had gotten my first certification when I was 18. Right. So throughout college, I'm studying business, playing football, but my mind was always in the gym. And uh, when I got back from Europe, essentially when I ran out of cash over in Europe, I got a flight home and I went to my two personal trainers that I had uh, worked with throughout my high school and college careers and asked them, how do I do what you do? And uh, still to this day, they're two of my best friends. That was almost 16 years ago now. And uh, I spent three years in Philadelphia 
three years uh, hustling, grinding, trying to learn everything I could about the craft. About a year before I left Philadelphia, I opened up my own company called Attitude Athletics and Fitness. And basically, I had all of these clients on the main line of Philadelphia who had then asked me if I had anything to do with their children and uh, training-wise. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, before I left, I think we had like 1,300 student-athletes. I had seven trainers. And basically, we provided fitness and strength and conditioning at the time, high school training facilities. They had a facility, but they didn't have programs. So I had six trainers, about 1,300 clients. And uh, I left it all to my business partner because I made the mistake of visiting L.A. in February. February in Philadelphia, if you know anything about it, is brutal. (laughs) And I visited a good friend in L.A. I'd never been to the West Coast. So I said, all right, I'm going to figure it out. If I figured this out in three years in in Philly, I'll figure it out in L.A. And so I moved out here in 2009. And uh, it's been very good to me, man. I'm coming up on 12 years now. And uh, yeah. We, we just opened our fourth gym, about to open our fifth in Miami, and life is really good. I got a married daughter, married the girl I met at the Philadelphia gym I first started working at, and a uh, healthy daughter, she's 10 months old, and here we are, man. I'm just on the path and doing what I love and hopefully changing people's lives and trying to make some money while doing it. Congratulations on the brand new baby girl. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks, man. I, I'm glad you picked up on that. That was the most important thing I said in all of that. Yes, that's that's amazing. Um, you know, I couldn't help it. And I'm going to link to your Instagram in the show notes for this episode so people can go check that out. I, I highly encourage you, even right here at the top of this conversation, you can tell there's something different here. And I encourage you to go to, uh, to Kevin's Instagram account. Ch- take a look at what he's talking about on there. I just love... I. I did a deep dive. I told you that before we started recording and uh, just really got so much out of it. So I appreciate that. One thing that struck me, especially in the context of the conversation we have here, which is leadership. One thing that struck me is that um, in your, it's from my perspective in your line of work in the training, you are with every client, you're stepping into a leadership role with that human, with that person. And that's an interesting thing, right? Because most people that provide a product aren't necessarily, I mean, they're leading people somewhere, but that's the, the extent of the relationship is pretty limited as to where they're leading them to or how they're showing up as a leader. But you, especially the things you talk about on a regular basis, you really step into leadership. And I, I wanted to, I thought it would be interesting just as you hear the term leadership, as you think of yourself as a leader, what are some of the philosophy, uh, like top philosophies or ideas, or one of the top philosophies or ideas that really govern your relationship with the people that you choose to lead? Mm, great question. Uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting. When I was young, I was always told that I was a natural leader and I had to act a certain way. And, you know, when the immature brain hears things like that, I don't know that people are ready to understand or heal them, hear them and presented quite a bit of pressure. I was captains of various teams and so forth. And, you know, it wasn't until about maybe seven, eight years ago that I started to understand the concept. And I think that's even still evolving. In fact, I know it is, you know, just the understanding of what a leader is. And uh, I think the most important aspect that a leader can do is to always be a student, right? So when you think of leader, you think of teacher, right? But when I hear leader, I think of student. And, you know, for me, I'm not a leader because I've got it perfect. I'm not a leader because I've got it all figured out. But I think I'm a leader because I've screwed up, because I've messed up, because I've... But I've also been, for me, the leader is the one that's willing to swim into the unknown, right? And then I get to come back and tell people, hey, it's okay, follow me. Follow me this way. I went there and I didn't get hurt and I reaped these benefits or I had this experience or I felt this type of way. If you're interested, let's head down that way or let's go over that way. And so, you know, the biggest thing for me in a leader is what are you a student of? I tell, you know, I think now between four gyms, I think I probably get to interact with 30 trainers on a weekly basis. And I always ask the trainer, I go, what are you training for? Mm 
right? Like, how can you possibly turn around and teach somebody something if you're not in the process of learning? And I think the moment that people think they've got it all figured out is the moment we start dying, right? So for me, it's, you know, as I coach these young trainers, I'm like, all right, what's your next certification? What's your next, what are you, what are you physically training for? What's your next goal? What's your next vision? Because then that will make you more credible, not more credible from a resume standpoint, but more credible from a stance where it's like, hey, I'm going to struggle to achieve X. And in doing so, I can come back and teach you about it, you know? You know, take something super surface level, something very easy like marathon training. You know, 245 pounds when I finished playing football, you know, four, five, 40 guy. I never ran further than 25 yards, right? <laughs> and so as I ventured into the fitness career, I noticed that I was only training people like a 240 pound linebacker. And I learned really quickly that that's not how everyone wants to train. So what am I going to do? Am I going to go to my textbook and learn about it? Okay, that's one way. But I also got to try it. Or what the hell am I doing? They can download the textbook or the YouTube video. And the credibility of a leader comes from somebody who tried or did it. Or maybe tried and failed. But they say, hey, here's my experience in trying and failing. So... Leadership to me means student. And uh, yeah, I think that's the most important aspect. Man, great stuff. I got a lot of good notes there. Really well. I mean, there's so much that you put in such a very clear and understandable way, which I think is part of leadership too. I, I appreciate it. I just want to, I mean, you bring a few bells for me, particularly around leader and student. And then when you talked about I'd love to hear more about when you say you, when you stop leading or stop learning, you start dying. Uh, you know, it brought up a quote that we always use, which is, uh, you know, men die at 27. We just bury them at 72, Mark Twain. Mm -hmm. but I'd love to hear what, you know, like when you say, when, if a leader stop, stops learning, they start to die. What do you like? Talk about what that dying is. I'd love to hear. I, my sense is you have a very, very visceral and distinct understanding of leadership, like like an everyday hands-on kind of functional idea of leadership. And I'd love to get more of that. Yeah, of course, man. Um, yeah, well, it goes back to evolution, right? Again, pull me back. If I go... Um, <laughs> go, man, go. I love that quote on the 27 thing. All the best rock stars die at 27, don't they? Um, you know, I think it's that moment that we stop and we just hit the complacency button that it's over, right? And at least for me, I'm always what I consider a forward faller, right? And, you know, being able to fall forward and fail forward or fall forward and succeed it's constant learning, man. My biggest buzzes and highs are from new experiences. My biggest, you know, and it's not like I'm some radical, let me go ride a motocross bike. I don't do any of that shit. I'm just saying, like, try new things. Keep evolving. Keep experiencing. And nothing will ever go stagnant, right? And now, that being said, I look at somebody like my father who's been doing the same thing for the last 30 years. If you're happy in that complacency button, then no one can argue with you because happiness should be the goal at the end of the day. I um, consider myself happy, but I consider myself happy because I love the journey, the journey of what's next. Maybe I'm not sure or maybe I do know because I'm setting a goal for myself. But yeah, when I say these people die that quit challenging themselves, I mean, they can write the rest of their book right there. But what's the point? I love that I don't know what's next. Right. And I think that's super important. And I think that's what presents a good leader is the one who's willing to go into the alley first. All right. There's a dark alley. Is it going to be the guy who's been complacent and the guy who's not ever gone into a dark alley that you want to follow? No, you're going to follow the person who's gone. I've gone into a lot of dark alleys. That's a weird scar. That's a battle wound. 
I, here's my resume, let's go. And, uh, you know, maybe dying is a little bit too much of an aggressive term because, again, I fall back toward you can still be happy and live a complacent existence. Um, my father is a wise, wise man who has accomplished that very, very well. But for me, that's just not how I'm wired. And I think we're all wired very differently. But if you're not happy and you're complacent, that's death. That's that, that that's like period. Like I'm not happy, but I'm unwilling to change. And so, like, yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, what hits me is a it, there's a relationship to simplicity, and my parents are the same way. A small town kid, um, and you know, it's like if uh, it's more. At least there are there are folks that love simplicity. I dig complexity. Mm. Usually because it's a, it's a provocation. It's like, oh, sh- this is really complex. Mm-hmm. And can I navigate the waters? And do I want to navigate the water? Do I want what complexity invites me to become? And for me, that answer is hell yes, every time. Yeah. And, and I've seen you, and I'm the only one on this call that, I've, that are on this, this uh, podcast that's seen Kevin in action. And as a guy that, you know, spots talent, I mean, we were, so Kevin, we haven't mentioned that the, your your specific brands yet, but you've got a company that's ever scaling called Boonda. Um, and I went to one of your classes and I'm in, I'm in the class and I'm thinking this guy is brilliant. Whoa. <laughs> uh, well, and Whoa. What I, that's what, a first. Well, Whoa. I'm around. I mean, I'm going to take it. Take it. Man. I'm, I'm take, not... it. take it. Here's why there's a, there's an intuition that you, that that is born in you or and also practiced with thousands and thousands and thousands of hours uh, on the call as well as Dan Tacchini, who's I'd say the best uh, trainer, you know, phenomenological trainer. People don't know what that means, but like a human transformation trainer, I say probably on the planet. Um, and so I've got an ear for watching what what how people stand in the middle of a room. And we were on a rooftop. But the invitate, like, because you were, you're talking us, you're walking us through activity. But the activity is just a symptom. Or it's just like an outcome of what's happening. But that's not what you're doing. Yes, you're telling us what to do next, but you're actually provoking new thoughts about fitness. You're provoking new thoughts about the self. You're like questioning people's belief, which, you know, belief generates thought, generates decision, generates action, generates results. And, you know, that's, you know, that, I mean, you're a grand invitation is that's, I mean, that all this stuff, I'm so glad it's coming out, uh, about some of the thinking behind how you just end up showing up in the world. It probably, it probably shows up pretty intuitively for you. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, you know, my wife's brand, as you mentioned, my wife and I's brand, as you mentioned, Bunda, it's group fitness. We, we cater to anywhere between 30 and 40, uh, people in a class and then. I have a another brand called Heart and Hustle where it's predominantly one-on-one training. Um, more recently, I've enjoyed the group way more. I feel like it charges my battery way yeah. more than the one-on-one. Um, and that's because when I step on that stage and put that microphone on, I have zero plan. Zero. Now, I know the workout because my wife, as the director of the brand, provides the workout. So I... I can download that, but I have no clue what's about to come flying out of my mouth, you know? And I've gotten to a place where I just can trust that I'm going to, to use the word that we all like thus far, uh, lead people through 50 minutes of strength and conditioning, but also probe them, challenge them to go somewhere maybe they haven't been, you know? Look, what's the difference between me counting 12 reps at some insane amount of money per hour of bicep curls and the 22-year-old kid who just graduated college who has one certification? The answer is nothing. Nothing. There's no difference between the way he's going to count the 12 and I'm going to count the 12. Maybe I go 12 to 1 and he goes 1 to 12, but that doesn't warrant somebody paying me 10x what they would pay him. What warrants the 10x is... The fitness is my musical instrument. Yeah. This might get this might get weird. This the the fitness is my guitar. The dumbbells are my guitar. 
to take you somewhere you've never been. Yeah. And uh, that's my goal. You know, for me is, you know, you guys talk about human performance. I think one of the biggest aspects of human performance is just how far are you willing to swim into the unknown? Are you able to swim back? Can you tell people about it? Right. And lifting heavy weights or doing something physically that you didn't know you were capable of will bring you to that place. It's no different than a psychedelic drug. It's no different than a, uh, you know, psychic experience or a, uh, you know, a mental session with a coach. It's, it, you can go places like, whoa, I didn't know I could do that. And not in like a CrossFit, I'm laying on the floor dead after my workout type of way. That's like one way, but that's like, to me, that's like a boot camp. I'm going to beat you into the ground and I'm the instructor with an ego. Or no, I'm just going to ask you to get uncomfortable, but in a good way. And get excited about getting uncomfortable. And a lot of people aren't, man, especially these days. <laughs> People want to be comfortable. People want to sit in their masks and or sit in their house. Wow, did masks come out? People want to sit in their house and uh, not leave and, you know, have their groceries show up and swipe right. And all of a sudden you got a new girlfriend. It's like the world's easy. The world is easy. But as it gets easier, complacency, we're all dying. Physically, and there's, dude, I can go to some dark, 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 but like look at children per household, right? So I just read I just read this article and then I'll let you go. Ready? Here, here's one for you. And I'm sure we could just pull on this one and go there. Last, uh, so NSCA, National Strength and Conditioning Association, is the main, one of the main outlets. I still speak for them. I used to sit on their board. Um, but they put out all this relevant education quarterly. And the most recent quarterly document talked about testosterone and testosterone in American males. In the year 2000, the average testosterone in a 20-year-old male. Now, let me say this right. In the year 2000, the average testosterone in a 60-year-old male is now equivalent to the year 2021 in a 20-year-old male. That's how quickly our testosterone has gone down. Wow. 20 years ago 60 year old men had just as high of testosterone as 20 year old men today and the human body is if you don't use it you lose it every aspect of the human body whether it's the physical aspect of the body right and then the hormonal effect the aspect of the mind so for me uh, that's an uphill battle and i'm not ever trying to lose that and mine's not some ego look at me testosterone thing mine is I think as age happens, we can achieve more, depending on what we've done with our time. Some will lead you to believe that it's quite the opposite. And I, I don't think that to be true. Yeah, you know, you made some distinctions there that really brought up my, my, in my mind the idea of complacency is very, dis that I think that word's distinct when you referred to your dad, like you said, your dad's a wise man, right? And his sticking with a particular way of living and a particular job really doesn't, I, I don't know if that is the indicator for complacency. I, I hear what you're saying. It's more indifference. He, he's not indifferent. He's, mm -hmm. he's finding nuance in what he does every day. Chop wood, carry water. It, he's alive to it, right? Because I'm my grandfather and, I, and we are the same way, journeymen, we do the same thing every day with people, but but the idea is to find newness, you know, like 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 you said, to venture into newness, and you can venture into newness, right, into the new possibility, in something you've done every day. You you know, like when I get in front of a room, like you said, I never know what I'm going to say. I don't know what's going to come out. I didn't plan on what I'm going to say now, but in listening, I, I what you opened up for me was and you kind of hit it on this last point, is that it's the indifference that destroys the internal workings of the human being. It's, it's indifference. In other words, which is actually, Simone Mille talks about indifference as the true nature of hate. That, that's, hatred is just passion turned 
a, a love spurned, right? But indifference is the true danger because it kills the human spirit, both in others and in oneself. And oh, that's yeah. what I heard. That's what I heard when you said complacency was there was something that was going off of me because I know so many journeymen, like my 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 grandfather was like that, my dad's like that. He's been in the movie business all his life. He's an exhibitor. And today he's 87, he makes deals, he's still making deals. He's he's and he's still thinking of new ways of how to to you know to to do his business, right? And my brother's yeah. the same way, yeah. Keeps him alive. Yeah, and 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 you we're all in kind of the same business. You're working with uh, the physical aspects and, and you're, but you're taking people places in their mind and using, like you said, the dumbbells. Well, we'll use human interaction the same way and we'll do the same thing every day. It's never the same, but it looks the same, right? And, and I think the challenge is, am I going to continue to press out and risk more to find out what else is there or am I going to settle for what I already know and use that as a justification not to give myself a new every time. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, for me, uh, you know, we share football in common, right? So when my final game, I sat at my locker. My senior year was quite disappointing by my standards. And, uh, but I sat at my locker and before I could take my helmet off for the last time, I had to make peace with that. Did I do everything I could while I had the opportunity to be the best I could? And that's why I was able to take my helmet off, leave it on my locker and never look back ever. You know, I, and for me, I was done. It, I can look, if there's somebody has football on at a house, I'll watch the game, but I, I don't cheer for these. I, I cheer for my clients that play professionally but I don't care anymore because yeah. I, while that was my chapter of my life, I gave it everything I had while I was there, literally every ounce of my soul. And so, and I tried every, you name it, workout programs, questionable supplementation, diet, training methodologies, uh, you name it, studying film, every single thing that I could do to be the best I could, I knew that I gave it a hundred percent. So I left my helmet on that locker and I look back and I go, when I'm about to, you know, salute and chuck up the peace sign and say goodbye to this body that I'm walking around in and pass on to whatever's next for me, the next life or just the end or whatever we all believe in, I want to have that same feeling. I want to have that feeling of did I do everything I could to be the best version of me and affect as many lives for the better as I could and be good parent, whatever, all the things that we could list. But I know that dying empty is going to be my calling because I remember that feeling of just I'm absolutely at peace with leaving my helmet on this locker and never yeah. doing another football activity again in my life ever. Yeah. And that's how I left it. Yeah, that's powerful. Well, I'm thinking about what's you know kind of the, the overarching point of this conversation for those that are listening and or at least what are what are some useful things to wonder about um first off that's the point that's one of the things is just to wonder about something uh, versus just to be here to to learn something um but even more than that you know is the, there's the complacency piece and i'm thinking about how many people have a job uh because out of necessity um, and which is not a problem. Like we all need to pay for things. You all need to support people and all that. Um, but stop there and then essentially get used by their job the rest of the time that they're doing it. Like they pay the price of their existence just so that they get the money and do the thing and have the story and all that. Or, I mean, I think Kev, what you're talking about is, you know, full utilization you know, which is a whole big conversation. Like what the hell, what is like to fully utilize myself, like to, to end up being empty at the end of your life. I love the analogy to end up being empty is like, have I fully utilized or even your football store? Have I fully utilized every resource possible? 
That's very different than being used by football or being used by, you know, you're not here saying, here's my 10 step plan to create 25 new stores. You've got that in your head, but the most essential conversation for you, leadership is an internal one. And you know, what's possible for you and what's possible for others if they get close, mm-hmm. you know, if you get to engage. And I'm thinking about guys that are listening to this that it might have, I don't know, they might say they have more quote unquote traditional jobs or something, but this conversation can be as alive for them. Like right now, if it's not alive already, like they could, you know, be there and like be in a meeting. Now, what does that mean to be in a meeting? Well, there's an old story, which is I'm here to get this thing done. And how do I get these people to do this thing? Or what you're saying is invite people into a deeper conversation about who are we, what are we up to, what's possible for us, yeah, and will you follow me? I mean, that's 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 worth listening to. That's worth wondering about. Well, when, you, when you talked about that despair, there's you talked that despair of necessity, like. I, I'm just, it's like, I don't have any other possibility, but what I'm doing and I have to do this or I'm not going to live. Then there's yeah. the, there's also the despair of possibility, which is, you know, my head's in the clouds, my feet on the ground. And I, I don't see any results, but I'm always trying to, I have this dream, but it's never, it's more of a fantasy because it never comes about because I haven't been willing to, to do like successful people are the people who do what unsuccessful people are unwilling to do. I, I'm, I've been unwilling to make the sacrifice or the risk of failing to understand what it's going to take to give myself to succeed or to get to the end. And that could be done in any environment and, and towards any goal. But there's like two sides of that despair. There's that necessity where I'm just, I'm making what I need to get by. And you can make a lot. You could, you could be, you know, it's like, um, Oh, what's his name? The great, the, the millionaire, uh, Howard Hughes. He was in despair and he had everything he ever wanted, but still living in necessity, right? Or you could be, have nothing and, and have an exciting life because you're giving everything you can to what you're doing and whatever you have is provision for that, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, it's just, you know, it comes down to, and this is when, when I get comfortable enough with one-on-one clients because sometimes people just showed up to have you count their biceps and when you hit them over the head with things like this, it, <laughs> it kind of like catches a few looks. But I, to be honest, I don't care anymore. It, like, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a rep counter. I'm not just a rep counter. But when I'm talking to a class, it's kind of an open microphone and unless somebody really has got some fortitude, they're not going to stand up and disagree or stand up and tell me not to talk about what I'm talking about. And people keep showing up in larger quantities. So I guess I'm doing something right, but it it comes down to, are you happy? Answer yes, keep going. Answer no, stop, evaluate, do something different, you know? And again, that can be very, very deep and that can be applied to all aspects of your life. Now, as I mentioned, my instrument is the gym. So are you happy with how you look, how you feel? And if the answer is yes, then your routine is good. Keep doing that routine, right? If the answer is no, then you have to change. Okay, what's change in my world? Well, change in my world is challenge. What's challenge in my world? Uh, it comes in thousands of different varieties. So. But I always say to people, I'm like, the gym will teach you everything, everything you need to know. Am I happy in this relationship? Yes. Stay with that person. It's going well. Are you not? No. Press the pause button. Either something needs to change within you or something needs to change within the relationship. And you go down those aspects. So, you know, I specifically chose to understand fitness on that level. And it's like, you want to feel better? Let's look at these five aspects of your life. You want to look better? Let's look at these five aspects of your life. But just know you can apply this to anything else. You're happy with the amount of money you're making? Yes. Cool. Keep going. You know, that was my dad. He was like, I'm good. I can support my family and we have a house and I got the time I need and I don't hate my job. I don't love it, but I'm good. I'm happy. Right. So it's like very like it can go to very simple. Right. Is are you happy? Yes. Keep going. Are you not? Or are you, are you even questioning it? Like, oh, you know, I 
I could be happier. Or I remember that one time I did that thing and it made me happy. You know, I, I tell people all the time, the gift and the curse was that I got to go to that rich kid high school that I talked about, right? Because again, I have my parents that were just good, like working class people. And, and then I went and I tasted a bit of the glory because now I'm the poor kid at the rich kid's school, but I'm getting invited on vacations and trips. And I'm like, what the hell <laughs> is this world? What is this? And I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. Where I'm from, people don't do this type of stuff. You don't fly private. You don't, you know, whatever, right? And I'm just like, I'm going to figure this out. It's not that I would be unhappy without these things, but I had a taste of the glory. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to keep changing and challenging, changing and challenging until I'm happy, you know? And it's not that it's an un insatiable goal because I'm very happy with where I'm at. I just know there's that disease-filled word, more, <laughs> and uh, I'm willing to go for it. Yeah. And I enjoy the process. So it's not like I'm struggling and in pain, and you know, I wake up every day, and I'm very happy, and I say to myself, if, if, if I were to hit the stop button right now and go, complacency, I could probably find happiness in it. But, I, but right now, unfortunately, I know there's more. But it breaks down to that simple question, are you happy? Kevin, I want to go back, if it's all right. Uh, a couple of minutes ago, you talked about this experience of getting in front of the group without a plan. Not, not to say that you don't have a plan for the workout, but you don't know what you're going to say to invite people. I think what you said was to invite people to a place they didn't know they could go. Mm -hmm. Something to that effect. And what came up for me, what I heard was you're showing people, you're revealing blind spots to people blind spots that they have about themselves, whether it's what they think they can do physically or how this applies to everyday life or whatever, which is such a exact parallel to how we describe our work with our clients is we're going after blind spots, hopefully asking questions, inviting conversations that will allow people to reveal their blind spots and, and see them. And you, um, in one of your videos on Instagram, I thought it was one other parallel to the work that we do. You talk about two agreements that you invite people into when they, when they decide to work with you. The first one is I'm here for health. That's the first agreement. And the second agreement is I'm here to stand taller. Mm. And I loved, I just loved the way, A, the way you framed that, but also that you're calling out the agreement explicitly that your clients have with you and you have with them. I'm wondering why, I, I'm wondering if you could just talk a minute about why it is that you're so explicit about those agreements and what, what that does for the work with you and, and your clients. Yeah, that's a really good question, man. I, uh, you know, I, I make those agreements not only with the individuals that I work with, but throughout my classes, in some way, that conversation's coming up. I know that it will just kind of lead there, you know. Um, you know, my wife's gym is called Bunda, which is Portuguese for the ass, right? <laughs> so, you know, I came for an ass class, and all of a sudden the long-haired, bearded man is trying to teach me about the metaphysical. What the hell just happened, right? <laughs> so that's where in the class setting I kind of have to dance my way to get there because some people could be really confused and you know not okay with what the hell is going on in that class but you know um those two agreements are very special to me because one especially in a city like la or the expectation of going to a personal trainer in los angeles and spending large quantities of cash People are like, I want to look super sexy. I want an eight-pack abs. I want to be ready for a movie role. And it's like, you can set all of those goals, okay? But what we need to agree on is that number one, why you're here and why I'm here, is that the goal of overall healthy well-being, right? Because training people to look a certain way, but they're not going to feel that way is fraudulent. And I can't do that. I've done that in my career and I will never do it again. I've trained people to be on 
you know, f- movies, runways, photo shoots. And, but they, I know deep down, even though they look like what is foreseen as health, they feel like absolute death because they got there in a way that did not resonate with their soul, right? Getting to health, and this is what I've learned through my own experience, back to like the different journeys I've been on, whether it's boxing, uh, becoming a yoga professional, running marathons, playing football, you know, hiking 70 miles, all these things that I've done, I've realized there's not one way to succeed. There's not, you know, you look at how Tom Brady trains, Versus how Cam Newton trains. One guy's a gym warrior. The other guy is just always throwing the football. They're both super successful in their careers. So, you know, for me, it's very, let's set the precedent that overall health is number one. And that's that you're, you know, to me, overall health is how are you feeling? Right? Like, how are your emotions? How are your energies right now? Are they good? Cool. And then the second one is where I go to the physical body, that we're all going to stand tall, right? Because without proper posture, it all collapses. And that's been a lot of my study. In fact, there's a great author named William Johnson who writes books on just the posture. And man, are these things powerful. And I've read four of them now. Super, super powerful. And the human anatomy and the human body and its structure, okay, to where we've evolved should be erect, should be erect at all times. And if it's not, the body, and this is how magnificent and miraculous the human body is, it will hold tension in specific areas so it doesn't collapse. And I say this all the time. Gravity. Let's all try to remember junior year of high school. Negative 9.8 meters per second is trying to put you into the ground, right? And one day it will. We can all agree on that. One day it will. But let's not let it be today or any day in the near future. And the way that we can do that is by perfecting the structure of your anatomy and standing taller. Because the taller we stand, the less stress we hold. And William Johnson goes on to say, he goes, chicken or the egg. Does the tension and the stress of the body come from poor posture? Or does the poor posture come from the tension and the stress in the body? And his thesis in all of his books is is that when you have perfect posture, it is impossible to have a negative thought. Whoa. So, again, first is we're here for health. And second is that all of our training, no matter what it is you're trying to do, performance, looks, whatever you come to me and tell me, we're going to try and perfect the structure of the human body. What, what is the, what is having those uh, agreements explicitly in place with your clients? What does it do for your relationship with them and their, and typically their success? That's really, because as we, like, as people listen to this podcast who are leaders, they're maybe their managers at work or, uh, or for a company, a corporate setting, or they own their own business and I think there's something that they can glean from this mm. structure that you've created. We're, we're often not explicit uh, about our agreements together, especially when we think they're inherent by our roles or our titles, right? So I'm wondering for you, why do you get, why are you so, why do you hold so tightly to those and, and are explicit about them? What does it do for your relationship with your clients and their success? Well, I think you mentioned the the key word there, which is relationship. We all hold and have many of different relationships in our life. My relationship to you now, my relationship to my wife, my relationship to my employees. So the relationship to my client is no different than any of those other relationships. And what I've found in relationships is that what is set forth on day one will be the expectation until change is communicated. And uh, I wish I had a whiteboard or I could show you a whiteboard right now. But I think when it comes to relationships is, you know, that open communication is what keeps the relationship heading in the same direction toward a common goal. Right? So if we have person A and person B, let's just take me and my wife and we say, 
you know, we could just expect because we're married that we uh, both understand what marriage is about. But her version of marriage and my version of marriage could be two completely different things. You know, she could she could think that she could go have uh, multiple partners. And I'm like, whoa, hold up. I'm from a Catholic church where, you know, and then all of a sudden, well, but that was never communicated. Now, if that communication on day one was set out that she was like, hey, uh, just so you know, I'm going to continue to have multiple partners. This isn't what's happening in my household, by the way. But I'm just <laughs> putting this out there and I'm like, okay. At that point, I can communicate back and say, I agree or I disagree. If I disagree, at that point, you decide, is it a make or break situation? Right? And if it's a break point for me, then that's the end. And everybody leaves happy. But what the worst thing that happens is what you said is where if people assume based on community standards, uh, historical past, that things are supposed to be a certain way, it doesn't matter what the communication is like in the line. But where relationships break, in my opinion, is the word resent. Resent starts kicking in. And then back to what you said, then what happens is they start to nullify and it's not when resent kicks in eventually it's either going to break or it's just going to become dead right so for me the agreements on day one of any relationship of hey here's the relationship you're my client i'm your trainer these are my expectations for all my clients is this something that you agree with if not let's talk about it and somebody says hey, I don't give a shit. I'm going to take as many steroids as I need to to look as good as I want within three days. At that moment, I could decide, is this a make or break? This is, I know this is not healthy for him. I know this is not going to be for overall health. What is my play here? And as a professional, I would say, hey, this isn't. I'm not the trainer for you. Now, better me do that then than three weeks in and I'm resenting this person for abusing steroids. And so, you know, it's, uh, I think it's really important in any relationship, whether it's employee, manager, husband, wife, to really present what your expectations are surrounding that relationship early, super early. And uh, then decide what you're going to communicate, what you're going to give a little on, what you're going to take a little on. But have the standards that are your make or break. I would say early and frequent, right? Not assuming yeah. that. Oh, they can always change. We're all, we're, I mean, we're, we're all standing on a rock right now that's shooting through a black hole of space. It's always changing. It's always changing. <laughs> it's the only constant, right? Um, yeah. Well, I know I, I've paid to, to your point, Chad. I mean, I, I've, I just I had, I had a first call with a new client yesterday. And I always, at the top of my notebook, I always write first call, huge, slow down, period, foundations. You know, I always write that down at the very beginning because if I, 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 I would prefer to live by my assumptions, but I pay the price later. Yeah, you know, prefer meaning like, wouldn't it be convenient if like he knew exactly what I meant when I said, you know, living your word? Well, I don't know. We need to get a walk that out or what's, what's, you know, because I've paid the price so many times and I've hated the relationships with certain clients and I can always track it back to the conversation I was unwilling to have at the beginning or the conflict I might have avoided or I probably should have said no because they want something to Kev's point. They want something that I knew I wasn't up for or they were just, you know, they're hiring a coach but a certain version of a coach that I knew I don't even want to ever do that. But I chased the money or I chased the opportunity or the brand partnership mm -hmm. or whatever and we have both paid the price for it. But, you know, my, my cowardice was, though, or my strategic avoidance, because um, I know better, always. Um, but, you know, I, if it's not going to work, I, I want to know it's not going to work early now, because uh, there's a chance to repair and reinvent. Um, what do you find, Kev, whenever you, if you've had that conversation with people and they, uh, and they aren't up for that have you have you found people want to just trust you and jump in have many people walked away mm. what's that been like i mean you're a no inspiring dude so i'm guessing they want to walk with you into the unknown people, even if they even if what you're offering is something different than they thought they were there for yes that happens yeah and then what i've found is 
okay, this is an agreement, you understand, wonderful. And then what I've found is that many, especially in the city of LA, man, mm -hmm. people just fade and uh, that's fine. And that's why I say uh, I'm finding that the classroom atmosphere at this point in my career is charging my battery way more than the individual, you know. Yep. We're all in the business of service, right? And so service, as we mentioned earlier, is not like a product. Service is a specialty. It's time for money. It's time for energy. So it's like, you know, when you find that client that engages you, that, you know, challenges you, but mm -hmm. you're in a line and you're heading in the same direction, then we are two parts of a battery just charging each other. Mm -hmm. One is the leader and the teacher. That's what I signed up to be. And that's what I would like my profession to be. Yep. And you as the paying student. So, but when I find that I have someone, no one has ever said, oh yeah, I'm not for health or better posture. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so, you know, then it gets a couple of weeks in and maybe they, uh, Maybe they were like, I thought we were going to do more arms. Or I thought, you know, hey, summer's coming. Let's, let's go. And I'm like, you trusted me. Um, right now I need to fix that kink in your neck before I give you bigger biceps. Or we're going to have bigger problems. You need to trust in my experience. As not only I've done it with myself, but I've seen this through others. Uh, they'll just fade. And all of a sudden, maybe they'll show up. But now my battery is getting drained as the coach so yeah. this person is just now showing up to take my energy yes i'm getting paid yeah okay i'm getting paid well but it's like my coach my teacher's name is paul check and uh he calls that the prostitute mm -hmm. you know what 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 is it that we are doing we just here yeah i'll give you my time give me some money yeah and, uh, and you've sold out as the leader in that moment. You've sold out. Exactly. Right. And I'm no longer leading the dance. So it's like, here's my money. Let me do with you what I want. You know, dance for me. Fuck me. Whatever, you know, the prostitute uh, metaphor is. And uh, I'm just at a point in my career. And I think, look, early in every trainer's career, I think you have to learn with challenging students. Any teacher's career, that will help sharpen your tool. What, because you want to help get them through. Just because they disagree with you doesn't mean give up on them. Yeah. Right? It's just like, what is it? How many times we'd be like, hey, man, you said that we want to lower your body weight. I told you the alcohol is not going to allow body fat to metabolize because the liver's not doing the thing it should be doing. Bop, 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 bop. And you're still showing up hungover three weeks later how long am i going to go this behavior is not going to change i'm not the trainer i'm not the teacher i'm not the leader for you mm -hmm. there's a leader and a student or a teacher and a student for everyone just That's like right. there's a relationship for everyone yeah and uh yeah unfortunate to your question no i wish more people would be like yeah, man, this is way more serious than I thought. I don't want to do that. And I'm like, yeah. well, you saw the price tag. Did you think it wasn't going to be? Or did you just think I was a cool guy you got to hang out with? Right. And uh, But in the classroom setting, yeah, I'm just putting my information out there. And of course, I like when people are successful because that's a good thing. And I'm changing people's lives. And you're going to come back and we're going to earn more money. But no one is coming up to me afterwards and going, I'm not seeing the results. I'm like, uh, you know, it's just, I just get off the stage and I leave. Yep. And so it's like, I'm putting all the information out there. I know I'm teaching a lot of people. If it's 40 people and I'm truly changing five of those people's lives, that's five times the battery that I get from the one-on-one -on -one situation, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but it's super, the one-on-one -on -one service industry is tough, man. Yeah. It is. It is a grind, and it's not something that uh, I would suggest for the the weak at heart. Yeah. Well, and most people listening here are uh, that are leading are leading more than are distinct from the one on one. I do a lot of one on one. Chad is a lot of one on one. You do a lot of one on. Um, but I think one of the points there that I think is really powerful is you know if you're a leader listening to this, think about the frustrations you're having on the team that might be happening now. The frustrations. And when did you miss the conversation, the, at least the exploration of, hey, 
Tom, seems like we want different things. Mm -hmm. I'm asking for this. You keep not delivering. Now, we could like try to change Tom, try to give him another tool, give him some technology, blah, 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 all that. But that's usually not it. You know, people generate what, they're, what they focus on. Uh, and, you know, so it might be, I wonder, I wonder how many, many frustrations we tolerate just because we're unwilling to have the, hey, I think we want different trajectories here. Yeah. You know, because people want to come to you because you're awesome and you're cool and I know your, your, you know, your personal training lineup and it's, it's very impressive and people might come to you to be cool. But, yeah. Right? And they don't, but they don't really want to do it. Well, that's, that's the thing with any of the work in the service yeah. industry is the reality is the client has to do it, <laughs> right? Like yeah. if I buy a widget yeah. or if I buy a pizza, the pizza is the product. Yeah. In service, the reality is, is you still have to do the work. Yeah. So what you're paying me for is education and motivation. I'm going to provide those, but you have to go do it. So That's what right. you're paying is to absorb that education, absorb that motivation, and then go do it yourself. Yes. So, you know, I think a lot of people just feel good about paying or showing up. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm doing better. And it's like, but we discuss these markers by these dates and you're not there. And, you know, I think to the leaders and the teachers out there, I think that's got to be the goal of mm -hmm. uh, getting to yourself into a position that we like to call back in Philly called fuck you money. And fuck you money is not some type of uh, billion dollar, hundred million dollar, even million dollar. Fuck you money is I have enough money that I can say to you, student, fuck you. Right. And again, that's just. Whether that's simply, I've got six months of cash in the bank. I don't need this client to drain my battery. Because the reality is the universe works that as soon as you let that client go and you feel good about letting it go, somebody's coming through the door yeah. that will charge your battery yeah. when you feel good about it, yeah. right? Fuck you money is maybe, hey, I've already got a full lineup. Yeah. I'm good. Again, it's not that I'm rolling around and driving my $500,000 car. Fuck you, money is more just along the lines of I'm in a good place to let go yeah. of this. And, you know, I have only gotten here in the last eight years. And here is, like I said, it's not some financial I, I'm rich type situation. It's just I don't, I don't need this. And it's not serving me. And it's super important as a leader, teacher, that to be served. Even though you're doing the serving, it has to serve you. Yeah. Or you become the prostitute. That's great. But that's a great takeaway for folks. You know, like a, a kind of a wrapping thought is, is, is leadership, ought, it can be self-sacrificing or it all can, also can be sacrificing and return. You know, that's, at least that's, that's the, the thing. I'm I think it has about. to be. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin, Amazing. this has been this has been awesome, man. So much here. Thank, Thank you, you for your yeah. generosity and and for being present with us and just offering your soul and uh, your experience. And I'm just I'm really really grateful. Do you do you mind just taking a second if you want people to? I think I mean I already mentioned your Instagram. Wherever else people can connect with you, especially if they're in the LA area and they love the philosophies you're talking about. What's where do they go? Sure. If you want to find me, uh, as you mentioned, Instagram has kind of been the platform that I've been playing with, even though I don't love this social media thing, but I find that I am able to help a lot more people. Uh, Instagram, I think it's at Kevin the Lion Lily, right? Does that sound right? Yeah. I've got somebody that helps me out on that. So at Kevin the Lion Lily. And then uh, email is always best, man. I'll, I'll answer your emails within a couple of days. Uh, Kevin at heartandhustle.com, all spelled out. And I've got a lot of clients that I work with very remotely and I do programming for and, you know, Zoom is the new thing. So that's always available as well. But uh, check out my class. Check out my class at, at trainbunda.com. And, you know, we're coming to cities near you very soon. So I'm out there. You know, I, uh, I battle with this thing that I kind of don't want people to know my name so I could live a very private existence. But I realize the more people know my name, the more I'm going to be able to help people. So I'm going to put myself out there a lot more in the near future. And, you know, I'm, I'm here to help people uh, get healthier and stand taller. Appreciate it, Kevin. Thanks so much, everybody. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye.
Well, my friends, thank you so much for listening to yet another conversation on the Naked Leadership Podcast. Your listenership and commitment to the podcast means the world to us. If this podcast or these conversations has helped inspi- helped or inspired you in any way, would you mind going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star rating and a glowing review? This helps us grow the movement and reach more leaders and teams. Finally, the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing the podcast with your teams and the other leaders in your life. Until next week, bye-bye everybody.